Hey everybody, welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen and I'm really excited. I just got off a call with our event planner and we're talking about Flip Hacking Live and the whole program. So we do this program at a glance where we look at three days in an Excel spreadsheet and we start dropping in the speakers, the presenters, the keynote speakers, everything they're gonna be talking about, all the topics, and making it work and making it flow over those three days. And so I feel like we've got our first rough draft for those three days. So I'm gonna let you in a little bit behind the scenes before this podcast on what we're doing. Don't forget, we have transitioned from our event down in Orlando to a virtual event. So it's a virtual experience that we're presenting from stage. We're gonna go to a studio, we're building one out right now, and we're gonna present it to you wherever you are. So you don't have to miss it this year, you can attend. So we've got a, uh, an awesome like three days planned. So the first day, I've got a couple really incredible speakers, and one of them is Mr. Andy McFarlane. And over the next couple weeks, I'm gonna be introducing you to other speakers. We're gonna be diving into what they're gonna be talking about, but Andy's got a really amazing presentation for you guys. Every year he brings the goods, but this year he told me he's got something special planned for you guys. And on that first night, that Thursday night, I've also got a surprise guest speaker for you that I'm working on a contract with right now. So um, really exciting things planned. I'll be, I'm gonna be talking about those over the next couple weeks. I'll be dripping out a couple different things as they come up. I've got a meeting every week with the event planner where we're doing different things. The next one that we have this week is on the swag boxes. So all the stuff that we're gonna send out to you guys. So I'll let you behind the scenes a little bit there. But the first draft is ready. Those three days are planned. We have our speakers um, in place. So this week, I'm reaching out to all the folks that are going to be speaking at the event, try to find out their topics, work through that, um, develop their, um, th how long they have, develop their presentations to make sure that it's as impactful as possible for you guys. I know that there's some uncertainty right now. We don't know necessarily where we're going to be right after this event, but I think this October timing is perfect for you to go into the end of 2020, the fourth quarter, and early 2021 to figure out where your business is going to be and where's the market going to be and get those skills and those tactics. All right, let's get to today's podcast. I've got Tanya Rooney. This is her second time on the podcast and we're diving into one of her first deals. So she's one of our Runway members. She, has, uh, she was part of the Six Figure Flipping community a little bit before this, jumped into the Runway group with us and has been an incredible leader along the way. In fact, she's my accountability group leader right now. So I dove into one of our small group accountability sessions and she's the leader for me and five other Altitude members. And so it's really amazing to see kind of her journey and her growth over this time. But we're gonna rewind back a couple months to when she was kind of ramping up her business and getting going and find out what that's like. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey everybody, welcome to Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and we're continuing down this journey in the first deal stories. And today I have somebody on the podcast who you might recognize. She's been on the podcast before. We'll put her previous podcast in the show notes for you if you want to check it out and get a background. Uh, but so we won't spend a lot of time digging into her, uh, like her full-time job and all the other things that she's doing that we spent time talking about before. But today we're going to talk about that first deal and then potentially some of the like shifts and changes that have happened with her over that time since that first deal. So I know that she's not, this isn't the, like, she's not only done one deal, she's done more than that over this period of time. So it's be interesting to see how things have changed from then to now. So I've got with me, um, 
uh, arguably one of the most uh, exciting people inside of our seven-figure flipping community, Tanya Rooney. Hey, Tanya, how are you? Good, Bill. How are you today? I'm doing good. Um, you're like almost speechless right now, which is <laughs> I didn't know I was arguably the most exciting person or one of the most exciting people. It's pretty oh. Yeah, I, I think I think you're a lot of fun. You're always the life of the party. It's uh, it's always good to have you in the room, and you've always got something to say. So we'll have plenty to talk about here on the podcast. True. All right. Why don't you tell me about your first deal? Give us a background on it. Um, just just lay it on us, and we'll kind of go from there. Awesome. All right. So um, I started real estate in 2018. Uh, it was just couple of things. I'm not going to say too much about what I've already done or what my story was, but um, I started looking for real estate, I think in May of 2018, and we booked our first deal in August of that same year. Um, we bought at a great price. I'm really, really excited to actually tell you about that. Um, so it was on the MLS. Um, I've done quite a few MLS flips. I know a lot of people say that those deals don't exist, but that's not true. Um, I actually do some lowball <laughs> offers quite often <laughs> on the MLS. And uh, so we offered on this house that had been sitting on the market for quite a while. It was 130,000. We offered, I think 105. We landed at 115, um, which was still a great deal. I knew that I could flip it in those numbers. And then a couple of weeks before we were closing, our hard money lender did a soft appraisal and they actually came back that I wasn't going to be able to get as much money for it or that they wouldn't lend me as much money. And I didn't have a ton of money to put down on the deal. Um, so we negotiated right then and we got $8,000 knocked off. So we actually closed at 107, which was really exciting for a first deal. So, um, so wait, let me stop you. So first of all, what market are you in? And then second, how did you, how did you just go from buying the house to saying I need a reduction in price? <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the Minneapolis market. So the Twin Cities, uh, we bought in South St. Paul, which is just a tiny little suburb um, of the cities. And um, I had an awesome team member. Like I had already started building these relationships that I think are super important in real estate. And uh, my realtor is absolutely fantastic. I still use her. Um, she does flips herself. So she kind of she sends me all kinds of lists. She still does this to this day, actually, and tells me, hey, let's look at these ones. Um, and then I just make offers. Uh, so I just already knew that my numbers needed to work and, um, I had a certain amount that I could come to the table with, which I ended up coming to the table or the closing table with about 8,000. Uh, and I didn't have a ton more, like I wanted to be in the deal zero, but it just didn't happen that way. Um, so yeah, I, she, we talked about it and I said, well, I don't think I can close on this deal. So she just recommended, well, we can still banter back and forth. It just so happened that it was on the market long enough that they, they wanted to get rid of it. They also knew that it was going to be a flipper that was going to come in and do that. So I'm guessing they had an intelligent real estate agent on their side that actually convinced them, hey, you're probably going to have this problem again, and then you're going to have to relist it. And there's all kinds of issues when you have to relist. It's not real issues. It's just uh, people's perceptions of why was this relisted. So yeah. yep. And perception is reality a lot of times, right? Like that's what just people think. It's, it's crazy. So. Um, yeah, it's interesting just going back to the table because once you get it under contract as a seller, you're like, oh, good, it's done. And sometimes the the person who is in the deal when you're almost done and then they're like, well, if I'm going to put it on the market, we're probably going to have to sell it for this price anyway. Let's just continue. It's Sometimes it's easier. Like the, 
the pain that you know is easier the pain that you don't know, right? So they just <laughs> keep going. And I think even as a, as a wholesaler, a lot of times we see that same thing now is, you know, a lot of people, and I certainly don't condone this. There's a lot of people out there that are making offers just to get things under contract and then going intentionally renegotiating. But what we find is when we actually do find something that we didn't expect we to renegotiate, sellers are typically more open to working with somebody they already know that's in the deal with them. And it's, it's almost there, you know, you can get it done and you just have mm -hmm. an open conversation with them instead of going back and starting the process all over again. So. Absolutely. Okay. So you got it under contract. You, it was on the MLS. You renegotiated the price down a little bit lower to fit your numbers. You kind of sharpened the pencil and said, I can bring somebody to the table. Um, then what? Um, so then we closed on it. Everything went super good on that, which was exciting. Um, my husband and I are not really adept at um, flipping houses. It, like uh, we, we jumped into this assuming that we were going to do a lot of the work. I think we probably did 50 or 60% of the work ourselves. Um, and it could be that we actually like 40 or 50 because you start writing things down of who you actually involved in a project. You're like, oh, I guess it just seemed like I did a lot more work, <laughs> but it's probably because we did a lot of demo work. Um, it was uh, like old plaster and lath, uh, so throughout the house. So there was a lot of cracked ceilings. There's a lot of cracked walls. Uh, we took the kitchen down to the studs. So we did all the demo work. Um, and then we actually had to put everything back up. So we did a lot of drywall work and just things that I'm really not that interested in. I like flipping for a lot of reasons. Um, and it's mainly for bringing together a team uh, and like working through my relationships. It's not swinging an actual hammer. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we learned a lot of lessons, which was fantastic. We learned the uh, power of time or just how much we value our own time. Uh, versus like, so learning a new skill, like if it takes you 16 hours uh, over four days to learn a new skill, which could be hanging a ceiling of drywall, because that kind of tastes a little bit when it's your first time. Um, so learning that new skill versus paying somebody that's already awesome at it. And yes, you're going to take less in your project, but you're not taking less because then you're freeing yourself up for other better things. Um, so we did a lot of learning throughout the whole project, but um, kitchen went down to studs, which was a really cool process to see like the pores and afters are super neat. Like I've got a Facebook page so people can still see it. Um, I like breaking that one open because uh, we took down a drop ceiling and <laughs> we found a bucket that was in the ceiling and it was uh, the, the bathroom was actually above it and the bucket was full of water from the bathroom faucet like leaking in and um, they, yeah, so somebody just kind of rigged a bucket up there and it was just hanging there. It was full of water and we had to, I mean, it wasn't hard obviously to get it down, but it was still a very interesting way to uh, patch it up for a little while. <laughs> um, so yeah, we went through the whole entire project. Um, it took about three months. Um, our projects definitely take a little less time now, but uh, it was a really good learning experience. We know what contractor now, which was, I think that's absolutely fantastic. I, I agree with a lot of people that do the flip first, um, or at least try it out, because then you know when it takes you three weeks to paint a house because you're one person or you're a husband and wife doing it, but it takes somebody else three days, it's because they know what they're doing, they have the right equipment, you don't have to buy all the equipment, which was also something we did, <laughs> we bought a lot of equipment. Um, and now a lot of it sits, but uh, we, we partnered up with an electrician. We had a plumber that came out. We had somebody do our flooring.
we had a painter. I started painting on a Saturday and my husband had to work that day, which was totally fine. Um, I, I, I was actually ready, rearing, ready to go. Um, I was listening to The Richest Man in Babylon. So I feel like I was like, oh, I'll just learn today, not a big deal. Um, and then I realized how long it was taking me to paint like a six by eight room. Like it was tiny. It was, I started with the smallest room in the house, little bedroom. And I, um, everybody knows that I swear a lot. I'm not going to swear on this podcast or anything, but I swore a lot that day. And then it was uh, a few hours in and I was like, why am I even doing this? This is pointless. Um, so I called, I actually had a painter out within three hours to give me a quote to, to paint the whole inside. Cause I'm like, I'm not painting this. This is, this isn't the way I want to spend my time. So again, back to those, you learn lessons when you try it yourself. I think it's great because now I appreciate my painters a lot more than I probably would have appreciated them when I started. So would you, would you recommend that somebody do that? Like go out and just jump into their first project and do all the work themselves to learn that they shouldn't do all the work themselves? Cause that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend that. I do think people should be really involved in their first project though. If you're not in the construction industry, if you don't know like some of the ins and outs, like that's going to be one of the best ways. Like, kind of like when you need to start budgeting for a project, you, you need to go to Home Depot and actually start looking. Like there's books out there. Um, a lot of them are great. There's a lot of great websites. But truly, unless you're going to rely on a general contractor to come in and actually do all of the pricing for you, you, you need to get in somehow. Um, so I don't recommend a full flip if you haven't ever done anything. Like if you're literally going to YouTube to for every single step of the way, um, that's that's a little dicey. You should still bring in partners, but I think it's a good way to know what your contractors are worth, what your time is worth, just things like that. So it's just a good lesson um, that you can learn from me most definitely, but they should also learn a little bit of it themselves. Everybody's got to somehow. And by partners, you mean like other contractors and people to come in to do the work, right? Not actually somebody who's going to take a percentage of equity. Yeah, I tend to, um, like my lingo is a little bit different than a lot of other people's. I, I know everybody calls them contractors, subcontractors, general contractors. And I just um, have learned the last couple of years, they're my vendor partners. Uh, so because you have to partner up with people, like the relationship that you have with all of these people is, is key. Like you want to treat them like a partner um, cause yes, they're making money, but so are you. And it's just, it's just a really good mind flip that I did a few years ago and it makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Working, I love it. Like, like you, uh, we talked about that pretty heavily on the last podcast that we did together mm -hmm. on the relationship with people. That was pretty much like, if you want to hear about Tanya's relationships and what she's building with her realtor and her, uh, contractors and all these people, like that is go back and listen to that podcast because that's, if you hadn't already heard it, I just wanted to point out that. These are not partners of hers that she's bringing in and splitting up equity, like a lot of you probably think, but these are people that she's treating like a partner with respect and it's a people business and it's a symbiotic relationship between everybody that comes in and, and handles or touches anything in this project. So I think it's a great way to, to think about it because then you're going to treat them differently, most likely internally. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So you got, found the project. How'd you... We talked a little bit about like finding hard money lenders and stuff, stuff like that. Was that an easy process for you when you got going? Um, so I, I've talked about how much I love my realtor and I do, I still like, I talk to her almost, it used to be every day. Now it's weekly because um, I, I have enough projects at the moment, so, but um, she actually brought a couple of people to my table and it's been fantastic. I used a hard money lender for my first two projects, the same guy. 
Um, my second project was an MLS deal as well, and um, it was a unicorn. I got to to the table with a hard money lender and I didn't have to bring anything. It was really cool. Um, so he, he's fantastic. I still, um, I still work with him when I can, um, if I need hard money anyways, I, I enjoy the relationship that I have with him. Um, he's helped me out with a couple of different things, contractors, appraisals, just things like that. Um, so it wasn't super hard to find him. Um, he's in two different states. Um, I think there's a lot of hard money lenders out there. Um, it's very interesting to talk to people about them because uh, some people have a really, they have a bad rap and I don't think that's true. I think it's just certain people, just, just like everything in real estate and in life that for certain people that kind of tarnish something. Um, but he worked with me really well. Like he was really open and honest about the things that I was seeing. He came in and actually like watched a project with us at one point. We talked about real estate for an hour and it was awesome. Um, he, you pay them a little bit more money, but you have to pay somebody money anyways. So I don't think that's a really good excuse to not do a project ever, uh, because I'm still making money. He's making money. We're all happy. Um, and then make sure you find somebody that you can be open and honest with. Like he's, he's one of the guys, like as soon as that appraisal thing happened, you know, I obviously had to talk to him. He's like, well, you're going to either have to bring this much money to the table or you're going to have to, you know, help read or you're going to have to do some renegotiating, which is fine. Um, I think that's just another person in your circle that you need to have uh, because they, they have to, somebody has to save you every now and again when you have a last minute funding change. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that guy uh, saved you $8,000 on the purchase price of this house. Yeah, pretty much. Cause he was like, Tanya, you have to bring this. I'm like, well, I don't really have it because yeah. we need something in our account still. So when we were flipping, we, we had a little bit of safety net and he's like, well, these are your options. So it's yeah. awesome. So that, that's, that's, they can be very helpful. Uh, somebody who has the experience, especially on a first deal like that, they say, Hey, I, your numbers, I, I came up with this, you've got this, um, you know, and just support you in that. So, and I've talked about that on uh, other podcasts that we've done with hard money lenders uh, specifically in that a lot of times they're, they're a safety net. They can help you. And when they don't see something and you're fighting it, you're emotionally attached to that deal. You're seeing things mm -hmm. differently than everybody else. And that's a lot of times what'll bite you in the butt at the end of the day. So, okay. So you got it. You're doing a lot of the work. Then you brought in some uh, contractors or vendor partners, right? And they helped you uh, get this thing done. What, was that process kind of easy? Was it a lot of work through all that? Was it uh, something, did you love it? Did you hate it? What was that like? I love working with contractors um, from all the podcasts over here. For me, I'll talk about vendor partners all the time. Like I like relationships. So that's, that's kind of my jam. Um, but it was, um, it, it was actually really great. Like I found some really good partners that I still work with today. I found some partners that I do not work with today, um, which, which I think you're going to have everywhere. You should. Um, I know right now I have a contractor list and I think there's eight painters on it and I have a couple of go-tos, but um, you know, I also have some do not use on that list. Um, so you, you got to go through a lot of people and it's just because you want to find somebody that actually works really well with you. Like my electrician, I found out I got him. He was a recommendation from somebody else and they don't use him anymore because they had an issue with him and I've never had an issue with him. And he's a guy that I, I text say, Hey, what about this? And what about this? Like he, he's fantastic. So I think, um, I think referrals are amazing and we should use those, but I also think that you need to test people out because some people work really well together and some people don't. Um, but that process was really awesome. Like I, I like projects. I think they're fun. It was super cool to see it go from, 
the what it was all the way to the new stuff like it's a beautiful house now and people you know the people that bought it i hope they still love it um so yeah it was it was a, just a great process closing went really well we uh we put it on the market about three months later and then it was probably on the market for about 45 days and uh we had we had some interest and then we didn't have some interest and then it came back and um it was really cool i love the power of real estate like i, I just could just shout this from the rooftops. I was in Bali actually when we were negotiating with the uh, buyer, which was super fun because that means like I get to be enjoying myself on a vacation. Um, not that I didn't do all kinds of work to get to that vacation, but, um, and I still was getting text messages, you know, hey, there's an offer coming in and then we did some negotiating and, you know, we like, we got to sign a deal from a different country, you know, a different continent. And that stuff is really cool. And you can't do that in every business, but in real estate, you can. You still have to be around to talk to sellers. You still have to buy things, but there's at least more flexibility with opportunities to be able to do stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. And the ability to systemize and automate a lot of things and pull yourself out of the day to day. And like you said, have people that have those partners, whether it's a realtor, whether it's mm-hmm. a contractors, whether it's a GC, whatever it is, a lender to doing that, the work that they're supposed to be doing. So you can do the things that you want to do or you're good at. In this case, it was hanging out in Bali and other th- times it's like maybe doing the things that you should be doing inside the company. Right. So, okay. Let's, so what 45 days on the market, is that, is that starting to get you concerned at all? Were you worried? Is your first deal? Yeah. You're expecting to have it like under contract in a day? Um, yeah, being my first deal, like we were super worried about it, but it's just because it just kind of is. Like I think you, I think everybody worries about stuff like that. Um, right now, I know things are flying off the market, and it just kind of depends on what market you're in. Um, I was concerned about it. Um, we talked about dropping price, and we didn't have to, which was super cool. We got exactly what we anticipated. Um, like all of our numbers, the ones that we were running, um, those, that's actually the number it fell on. Like it it was for $5,000 less than it was on the market for. And, um, yeah, and we still made money. Um, I was really excited about that because I, everybody hears the horror stories of people's first flips. Um, I think those, like, those are really, (laughs) those are reality in a lot of circumstances. I'm really thankful that ours happened to be like, we were still profitable. I think we made about 18 or $20,000 on it. And it was just that like the experience alone, if we made five grand, like you should never go into a deal, never go into your first deal, assuming you're only going to make five grand because we're going to make negative 15 at that point, because you will lose along the way. It just, it just happens. Like nobody, you just don't know unless you have somebody else literally watching it for you. Um, like, so a seasoned investor or something, um, but you just, you should always assume that you need to make a certain amount of money. And then when you happen to make more, especially on your first deal, like it, it was just great. Like we, the knowledge alone or the education on that deal, like the partners that we found, the, um, the work that we had to do. So now we know what it's worth, like that kind of stuff, like that was all worth at least an extra 30 or $40,000. Because now we know how to do a lot, of, a lot more stuff on projects. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You get paid to learn, you get paid to grow, you get paid to, um, you know, try something new. And it's almost like a hobby that pays you 20 grand. uh, Because you guys both have full time jobs, right? Yes, we both still have full time jobs. Yeah. So, um, so you guys were working full time and doing this on the side, just like when I got started, I had a full time job, Mm -hmm. and I was flipping a house on the side you know, making $40,000 in six months. I've never, I was like, I made more 
doing this on the side than I'm making my full-time job. It's crazy. Yeah. So pretty nice. So, okay. So that was the first deal. You got through this flip. You got some experience. What are some lessons learned that you haven't shared that you would say like some advice to people who might be looking for their first deal, their first flip that you learned from this? Uh, I would say stack your team. Like uh, you gotta, you gotta have an awesome realtor. Like I, it's funny cause now I, I do direct mail and I send, um, so I go and meet with sellers and people that are retail and they're definitely not going to sell to me. I actually drop thank yous in the mail and I, I send my realtors card in there. I'm just like, you, you need to find somebody like I, I'd shout this from the rooftops as well. Like you need to find somebody who's going to hustle for you. It just so happens. I have an amazing one that does hustle for me. I think everyone needs to go through that. Um, that that's like one of your best partners because they need to be around for a little bit more. Like they're going to hope that if you're going to flip that house and you're going to sell it, some people keep them, which is fine, but, um, they, they want the listing. So you actually want to be talking to them about well, what's going on in the market. What are people looking for? Like they're going to help you with your comps. They're going to make sure that you're not over rehabbing. That's the other biggest lesson that I think I learned was don't over rehab. Um, I went through the house and put post-its on all the doors. Um, and my broker happened to come through like, so she's got a real estate team that I have a real estate agent on her team, but I'm happy to be friends with her too. So she came through uh, one day and she's like, yeah, I, I don't want you to do all this stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? So she came through and actually just marked off the thing. She's like, yeah, don't do this. Like you need to do things that homeowners don't want to do. They don't want to redo an entire kitchen because it's expensive and they don't, they don't have the funds to do stuff like that. They don't want to redo all the floors. They don't, you know, there's certain things they don't want to do. So don't like, so those are the things that you do as a flipper, but you don't necessarily need to change out switches. Granted, switches are super easy, so you should change them out because they look better in pictures even. <laughs> but there's just certain things that, you know, maybe that, like the house that we did was um, like in the 1900s. It was probably like a 1905 or 1910 house. Um, I, like, I put a lot of stuff about doorknobs, and she's like, you don't need to do stuff like that. Like it's already got character. So it's just uh, don't over rehab things. Like do things that people don't want to do. Definitely care about curb appeal and picture appeal and stuff like that but there's definitely things that you don't have to concentrate on. Like if your budget is 20,000, stay with 20,000. Like you don't have to over rehab things. Um, and then also be really aware of what makes money. Like you don't put washer, you don't have to necessarily put a washer and dryer in, like save the couple grand because someone else is going to bring that to the table. Like the likelihood is they're not, not going to offer on this house because it doesn't have a washer and dryer. And there's some markets that you don't even have to do appliances and people don't bat an eye. If you've got a nice house there, they might, you can actually use that as negotiations when they're buying and you can say, well, yeah, I'll throw in the fridge. Well, that's all right. You did have it in your budget. You decided not to put it in, but now you still have to put it in. That's not a big deal. Um, so it's just don't over rehab because you don't need to something like, and people, People are emotional, especially with flipping, because there's so many TV shows and they just think, oh, we should, we should do these floating shelves and do all this. And they're like, yeah, you could just have it staged really nice and they could put it in their own floating shelves. Like you don't necessarily need to do that. Um, so just don't be so emotionally attached to it. Like, and don't think of just you, like use your realtor to actually say, should I do this, this, and this, like give them your entire list or your scope. And then they should be able to partner with you and say, yeah, you don't necessarily need to do this. It's not, it, it, it's not going to yield anything. Like, like we don't always build garages because it's not going to yield us an extra $18,000, which is how much it would cost to put up a garage. Um, so I think just having your partners 
that can tell you that kind of stuff so you can learn and then just being aware. Like me and my husband do a lot of back and forth because I was getting those lessons and he wasn't standing next to me. So then I had to tell him and then I had to tell somebody else to make sure they told him so it wasn't just coming from me because <laughs> we learn a little bit different, which is fine because uh, I'm weirdly a know-it-all. <laughs> so I, I don't want, like I don't necessarily want to tell him this is how we do things, but um, so you just need those partners around you. Like you got to surround yourself with the people that are doing stuff like this. Um, and it's really easy to do. You just find those like-minded people. You all of a sudden get to talk about real estate all the time with them and you can talk about flips and what would you do here and things like that. So good um, lessons, uh, all stuff that, all stuff that I, I've screwed up to. Like, uh, mm -hmm. I've done all of those things. Um, like why you, you said something earlier, why learn something that somebody already knows how to do way better than you. And I was doing Ugh. stuff. So, um, okay. So you, you join the, are like the six figure flipping program that we used to have that now is the seven figure runway program. And you actually came on the panel at Flip Hacking Live last year in 2019 and shared some of your story of kind of how you found the group and all that stuff. What was that event like, uh, Flip Hacking Live? Like, what did you expect it to be? I think that was your first one you'd, you'd ever been to. Is that right? Yeah, it was. So what was that thing like and what did you expect it to be like? Um, I was expecting to see all my friends because <laughs> I made friends in Detroit um, and I like to be able to see those people. So I was really excited for that stuff. Um, I was expecting to learn a lot. It's most of the events are like drinking from a fire hose and it's, it can be super overwhelming and you take a lot of notes and then you pretty much have to like be disciplined afterwards to actually implement things. But, um, it was amazing just cause you find out so many things, you meet more people. I had like one of the craziest moments I think I've ever had actually in my life when I got to see somebody speak and, you know, it felt like he was speaking to me and he, I was in the front, but he wasn't saying, Tanya, do this, this and this or anything, but it still felt like it. It was crazy. Uh, so like, it, it was great because of those moments. Like you, you learn a lot, you get to network with people. Like I know what's going on in the different um, markets, which is neat, uh, especially hearing all these people talk about what's going on with our market or I mean with, with our country and just things in general that are going on. Well, I've got, I've got real time 50 people that are saying what's happening in California, what's happening in Ohio, Texas, and all these different places. So, um, like just that networking was really, really helpful because now I've got more people. <laughs> yeah. What, um, you, you kind of mentioned something that was always in the back of my mind and still is it's like this insurance policy almost like to watch what's going on with other people other people are innovating inside the mastermind group obviously and and then sharing it with others so when something works for them i get to know about it first and when something doesn't work mm -hmm. i get to know about it and i might not only will it could it potentially make me more money but it's also going to save me money by not doing things and reinventing the wheel all the time so um, you said someone was speaking to you. So I, I like that. The, the whole goal, like as I put together that event is everybody's different. Like everybody needs something and they don't necessarily know what they need. So when they show up for three days, what you needed probably came and I, maybe I shouldn't put words in my, in your mouth. Let me, you when you came in and if you, if you had looked at a schedule of events, do you think that that person that spoke to you would have been the person you thought would have spoke to you? Not at all. Actually, I didn't even know who he was. Uh, he was one of the lead speakers and I was like, never heard of this guy down in Minnesota. So I was like extra liked him. And then, yeah, he started talking about sharks and I was, yeah, just 
yeah, just still beside myself whenever I think of him. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I, I bring that up is because we, a lot of times we go to these places, we go to these events thinking that we're going to get one thing or think that we need one thing. And we actually get something totally different than what we thought we needed. So, and I bring that up because not, we don't, like we're walking down this path and this journey and we don't know what we need. If you knew what you needed, you would already have done it. Right. So we're kind of yep. searching for, for something and we're kind of don't know what it is. So a lot of times I hear people, I say, Hey, um, what, what do you, do you have any questions? Like, well, actually I don't know, know what I don't know. Like I don't even know what to ask. So the way that I designed this event, these three days is to put speakers in front of you that hopefully one or two or all of them resonate with you. But I know everybody needs a little bit different thing and they don't know what they need. So if you come to one of my events, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to see like the titles, the speakers lineups, the title, you'll know who's going to speak, but you won't know kind of when or what time or all these things, because what happens a lot of times at these events is people say, well, I actually don't need that. So I'm going to, I'm going to miss it. Or, or I'm going to be in the hallway making a couple calls during this thing that can you mm -hmm. imagine what it would be like if you were making some calls or skip that presentation? Uh, <laughs> it sounds terrible. Yes. Right? You're completely right. Yes. So like, don't ask me for the full out schedule exactly when people are speaking, mm -hmm. because I know that you don't know what you need. I've been to tons of events personally. And the speaker that I thought I came for was not the speaker that I needed to hear while I was there. It was the person that it just happened to be that they were saying, so I didn't want to miss a single second of the event. But early on when I was going to events, I thought that I could design like my day and my time and the event exactly what I thought I needed. And I wonder how many like gold nuggets, uh, major epiphanies, huge money-making uh, ideas that I missed because of that. So, um, just know that I'm doing it for your own good. We're structuring the event to best serve you guys. And after three days, we want you to leave there thinking, wow, like I could leave here right now. I got a hundred times the value that I paid to come to this event. And I didn't even know what I needed, but now I know what I need and where to go. And sometimes you're right. It is, can be a little bit overwhelming, but that's where the kind of goal setting that we structure the, the accountability groups. That's why once you join the mastermind group, it's, Hey, how can we help you start implementing these things and hold you accountable to that? and not let you go out on your own and execute on it. So what have been some like some changes since you've kind of joined the group and, and now, um, like what's going on now in your world? Um, so right now we have, I think we're up to seven or eight deals. Um, my first year I did one deal last year, we did two deals and then we've already done four this year. Um, so we've got a few flips going on. Um, the group is amazing. Like I, I, he didn't ask me to say any of this, but the group is so amazing because um, I have three flips going on right now. And I don't know about you, but the first time you do a flip is, is pretty overwhelming. The second time gets better. And then uh, now it's like implementing different systems. And I, I use the people in the group to implement those systems or to talk about the systems. Um, so that's pretty big. That's changed. Um, we've gone a lot further ahead or full steam ahead. Got two people that work for me now. How many people? Um, Sorry, two people. Out. Okay. And then my me, it's so there's there's a team of four because me and my husband are both doing it. Matt, um, Matt's actually doing a flip right now as well. So um, I'm learning about teaching somebody. 
to uh, this poor student named Matt, my husband. Um, Are you so, charging for uh, that? <laughs> no, God, he should be paying me, uh, or I mean, I should probably be paying him because I feel bad most of the time. Um, so I, I've been in project management for so long and I just, I go with things and I don't even realize how much uh, I've already learned or known how to do uh, until I have to explain it to my husband on, hey, this is why we call contractor partners back after they don't get a bid and this is why we need to talk to them about this and you know we send out bid emails and you know this this is how to do it to say uh so just been a lot of things that he's learning which is really cool um it's fun to train somebody else on hey like this is what you need to be doing and the amount of weight that's gotten lifted off of me um, and again, it's all because of this group, because my husband comes with me to all of this. He's my partner in this. Um, so he learns at every one of these events on how to support me. That's essentially why he goes to events, is to ask people, how can I support Tanya better? It's crazy. He's awesome. Um, but he learns how to do things, and then I get to shift things off of my plate or onto somebody that works for me's plate. And it's this beautiful thing where you feel like, whoa, I can actually work on my business and not just in it. Like, I don't want to have to be going on health calls if I don't have the time or if I don't have the time to answer my phone like somebody else does that for me. Like, there's just little bits and pieces here and there that I get to, like, push onto somebody else's plate, and it's really fun. Um, so this group has just helped with so much of that because um, you just, you have people, like, that have your back that you get to talk about all these problems with. Like, if you're having problems with an employee, it's not that big of a deal because you have three people, well, actually like 50 people, but um, I call them my board, like the people I actually talk to every single week. Um, I talk to them about things that we're struggling with uh, pretty constantly. And you, you're you literally buying into a group that is already like-minded, which is so fun. Like think of the thing that you love the most. If you love running the most, if you love biking the most, if you love parenting the most, whatever it is, just think of the same, like that same attitude and your passion for it. And then being around 50 or 150 or 300 other people like that. It's like just mind blowing to be around people like that. It's just, it makes it fun. And then you can make friends with them too. Like That's neat. <laughs> yeah. I always say like all my friends are scattered across the U S and I get to see them four Yours times are. Day, pretty much. And <laughs> you know, on, on weekly calls and in the Facebook group and we're just connected. It's uh, it's really nice mm -hmm. to have, it's like, you know, having that tribe, you know, it's interesting. Right. I got to talk to Matt, your husband on the cruise. And I feel like he had an epiphany on that at that event and really <laughs> just said like, Oh my gosh, like now I really know what what's going on i i see what my wife is going through what she wants to do who she can become like where she is it was really really cool to see that at, at, the cruise the, was at, crazy at, the cruise like it totally changed the trajectory of the things that we're doing like it's super cool matt like people got to know matt a little bit more he's kind of quiet but he's not quiet when you get to know him and um that cruise like you're talking about all the things that happen at flipbacking live and right now like if you ask me what my favorite event was it'd be the cruise um and yes i got to see all my people and all that good stuff but it's just because of what comes out of it like you were talking about how you just don't know what you need. I did not know what I needed. I was very overwhelmed and just went into that event. Like you guys ask us, hey, make sure you have these things. Like what do you, what do you need in your business right now? What's going to move the needle? And I didn't know what it was and neither did Matt. We actually went in separate rooms that day, which was awesome because it's obviously changing things for me. Um, I didn't know what I needed. I knew that I kept asking people about time management and time blocking and, you know, how can I pretty much, how can I do all the things because I have this full-time job that I'm good at, that I like to do. 
Um, and then I have this business that I want, I want it to fly. I just want all of the things to be awesome. And I didn't know what I was looking for. And that's the one that changed everything for us, like leaving my job in a few weeks. And it's just like all these crazy things. And it's because I didn't realize what I needed until somebody told me, until somebody else explained all the things that were happening. And my husband's like, well, you would be the difference if, if you can be in our business full time like that. That's huge. Because right now, you know, you can only do 10 hours a week or less or whatever it is. And I was so stressed. It was just not working. And yeah, somebody explained it to Matt and he got it. And then a day later, I like got it and didn't understand. Like, yeah, I could probably quit my job. Cool. And then a day later, Becca and Lindsay were actually talking to me about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like I have to quit my job. It's not like a I should. It's like, you know, you want to keep going forward and do this. So like this group is crazy. Like you, you just do awesome things. And then I get to be around awesome people that are encouraging. And if I'm doubting myself, all I have to do is send a text message and I'll get four text messages back saying, well, no, this is, this is why you're awesome. Or this is why you can do this. And like, you have the support group. Like it's amazing. So yeah. did I just hear that you're quitting your job? Yeah. In a my couple note, weeks? Yeah. My, my, not my notice is in. Yeah. Wow gonna come out but yeah I'll probably already be gone by then but yeah like uh it's like notices in and everything's being written up and yeah wow. really it is really exciting but it's not real until it happens so yeah well uh, yeah when this comes out it will I've already passed you will be uh, <laughs> a full-time uh, real estate investor and Crazy. then when people ask you what you do you have to figure out what your line is so. I know I don't have to say I'm this other person anymore now I get to just be the one that's it. And yeah. so you mentioned this board of directors and I think that's a perfect kind of, yes. um, uh, perfect kind of concept. That's what I always used to call, call the group, the seven figure flipping group that I joined, you know, five years mm -hmm. ago. Five, yeah. About over five years ago. And I just said, these are, it's like, it's like my board of directors. They, um, I can ask them for advice. It's a bunch of other business owners that are, that are helping me and guiding me along the way. Um, in through the good times and the bad times. Right. And you know, we're working on innovating and we're working on, um, you know, is celebrating our wins, but also sharing our struggles and, and lifting each other up. Like you said, if you're having a bad day, send a text message and you get these responses from people that you built relationships from. So um, I, I got a question for you and, and maybe uh, I, I'd love to hear your answer. I know kind of what my recipe was, but what, what is your recipe for success inside this group? Do you just join and everything's like, you don't have to do anything. Your business just like builds itself or what's the recipe for, for success in here that you saw? Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do it itself. <laughs> it's not a diet pill. It's not a, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, you still have to hustle, but you have everything laid out in front of you, which is beautiful. Like, um, but you have to be involved. Like I, I find success because I'm involved. Like I bother people. Like when I'm at our, um, our events, like I write down, like if we do masterminds or smaller hot seat sessions, I actually write down like, you know, our last day, like this is what I plan to be doing. I write down the seven or 10 people that were in my group and I poke at them like a month or two months later to say, Hey, just checking in. Like, how is that stuff going? So it's, it's really like the accountability piece is the biggest part. It's like, who have you made a connection with? Who have you networked with at these events that can now keep you accountable? Because if you tell them, yeah, man, I, I'm going to flip my first house, you know, between now and the next, then you're, you need to flip your next house, like between now and the next event, or at least be started. Cause when you get to the next event and you haven't, um, it's like this, like 
I'm not a competitive person. I'm really competitive with myself and like stupid things like card games. But um, you like you you get this sense of competitiveness because you know you want to top people. Like you know I've got a buyer's list because if, if we if we aren't going to do a flip, then we're going to sell it to somebody else. Um, and we have like a running like how many people do you have kind of list. And, you know, every now and again, you'll post in a Facebook group and see how many people everybody has. And then you're like, ah, I want to, I want to be better than that person or not so much better than that person. You just want to beat them. at something silly like a buyer's list. And it, it just has a really great effect on your business. Um, so to me, it's all about being involved. Like you, you need to hop on calls. You actually need to listen. Um, I've got a friend that just listens to all the, like he listens to all of the podcasts afterwards. Um, but he's still like making, doing action. So I think it's the fact that everyone around you has action, sharing that action that you're doing so that people keep you accountable is really, really helpful. Keeping other people accountable. So like just checking in with them, like just treating them like they're your friends because they are, or they become your friends. And then, um, I think that's the biggest one, honestly, like just accountability within the group. If you take advantage of it, um, by talking to other humans, like it, it just helps and like just posting things in the Facebook group and reading what other people are doing and then actually lifting other people up, you know, when somebody's having a problem, like if I'm having a crappy day or a crappy week, I have actually like, I've called other people out for not being vulnerable in this, in the group with each other. So I've done it myself that I'm like, oh man, I'm having such a tough week. I have so much stuff going on. Like I just feel so overwhelmed. And then you'll get 30 people that will encourage you. Like it's like literally you have a cheerlead squad in a group and yeah, it's, it's just so worth it. Um, so I think just taking advantage of the people around you, like whether if, if you can't buy into this group yet, because I know it's closed for a certain group until like October, then find the people that are already doing this stuff and like attach yourself to them. Like you want to, you want people to be chasing you and you want to be chasing people. Like people tell me all the time they're chasing me and I'm like, that's hilarious because I have no idea what you're chasing. But then you really need to think like I'm a lot further off, further than I was when I started. I mean, like I flipped houses, I've wholesaled houses, like this is super cool. And yes, I've only done like seven deals, but I want to do this many more. So. Um, yeah, that's, to me, that's what's important in the group is like success in the group is about being accountable to each other. Like if you just use that one thing, you will be successful. Yeah. I'll tell you what I, what I see from you is your activity. Like you use that word, be active in the beginning of this, uh, what you were talking about. And I see you're really active. You attend the events, you're an accountability group leader. You're constantly like reading and posting in the Facebook uh, group. You're on the calls. I did a call last night. You, you guys were both on there listening. And so it's, it's about, and it's not even necessarily attending live, but it's using the resources that you have available. And so I, I just, I just uh, you know, signed up for a program myself and I've, I've been in it for a month and a half and I haven't done anything with it. I haven't had time to watch them. But yesterday I sat down, I watched about two hours worth of videos that are, and it's, it's got a library full of content. And I just, I will probably make a, at least 10 times what, what I paid for this over the next year, just implementing two things that I wrote down on my whiteboard and my iPad as I was watching that, those two videos for two hours. And that's it. I, I pulled something out of there that I guarantee will make um, 10 times what I paid for this. Uh, and it's just, it, I just had to find the time to get in there. And what that did was it reminded me of the value that's there. So sometimes you, <laughs> You think it's, it goes the same thing at Flip Hacking Live. Like you jump in thinking that you need something. You came in there for like the financing or the discounts or the, or the, the cruise or something else. And you get something completely different than you thought.
Um, yeah. And you know, some people just come in and use the Facebook group, like you're talking about for accountability and posting, but you're always like a cheerleader in there and you're always present and you're always active. And I find a lot of times the most successful people that come through this organization are those that are, that are active and, and, and putting themselves out there and really committed to it. And so I appreciate that because it takes, it takes people like us. So when I, when I joined five years ago and started having some success, I mean, I was in there just asking questions like crazy. I had no idea what I was doing. And mm -hmm. it took people like me and the other people that were active in there, not the people who were, weren't active and kind of just fell out or just were quiet all the time. It, it was that group of people that saw success as they moved forward and kind of helped each other because you know, we're, we're only as strong as the entire link, right? Like we, we mm -hmm. come together and we try to figure out how to move mountains together. So it's, it's really mm -hmm. cool to see that. And I appreciate everything that you do on the accountability groups, being active in the Facebook group, attending the events, all that stuff, be, coming on stage and sharing your story at Flippacking Live last year. Um, it's really, it's really amazing to see that and how, like, like you said, I wasn't pushing you to say anything on this, but the way that you talk <laughs> about the group makes me so proud of what we've kind of built together, right? So yeah, it's cool. cool. And, and hopefully uh, this, somebody will hear this and say, you know, I want to come hang out with these guys. I want to, I want to come be a part of this. I think I can add value. And that's where we, that's where we come from. We're looking for people who are givers. You're going to take for the first, I took for about six to nine months. And then I started to create things that I could give to the, to the members. But even from the beginning, it's so funny because you don't think that you have anything to give. Like you said, like, what are you chasing? Like, look back and see it, like, see how far you come and see all the stuff that you're doing. This really cool stuff that you're doing. And you have 10 times, hundred times the knowledge that you had when you started and you have a lot to share and a lot to give. And a lot of times what we have to do is step back and say, you know what? I am worthy of that. I am worthy of giving. I am worthy of being chased. And then it becomes even more exciting. Then it goes, all right, keep chasing me. I'm running faster. I'm running faster. I'm running faster. I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. I'm going to start running faster. Cool stuff. Yeah, there's. All right, Tanya. Well, I appreciate you sharing your first deal. So made $18,000 to $20,000. Now you're mm -hmm. doing the second deal came. You're doing three flips at a time now, leaving your job, wholesale some yeah. deals. Who knows what's next for Tanya? So whenever you guys hear this, we're going to put out some first deal stories coming up. And I suspect it'll be somewhere, you know, between now and Flip Hacking Live when we're, uh, you know, talking about these. And so if, you, if this is something you guys want to do and check out, then obviously you can look up the Seven Figure Runway program that we have. I can't wait for it. Tanya, thanks for hanging out with us today. And thanks, good luck uh, leaving that job. I hope it feels good when you leave and I hope you never look back. Yeah. yeah. So, thanks, Bill. See ya. Bye. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Tanya is one of my favorite members inside the Seven Figure Runway and Altitude community. Absolutely amazing. And she did grill me when she was checking out Masterminds. She's, you know, called me on the phone, spent about an hour on the phone talking through what we do and how we do it and if this would be the right fit for her. So I know that she had an amazing experience at Flip Hacking Live uh, last year, listening to Walter Bond speak, some of the things that she saw, and um, just really incredible to hear that again and listening to it a few months later. So I'll... I'm proud to announce that Tanya, right now, let's see, it is uh, early August, August 10th, that she has left her full-time job and has become a full-time real estate investor. So she joined the runway program, jumped in, and about halfway through was able to leave her corporate job uh, shortly after the cruise. I know they had a big aha between her and her husband, Matt, on the cruise. So hopefully, Tanya, it's okay that I announced this, but she has left her full-time job to become a full-time real estate investor. And there's no other place than inside of our mastermind that when that happens, like bells go off, people party, the celebration is huge 
when that happens and uh, people can celebrate leaving their full-time job. Everywhere else, it's like, what are you doing? Are you nuts? Are you crazy? So we're like that, uh, that top a couple percent just absolutely crazy uh, entrepreneurs of the world and just really cool community where we can all jump in and support each other and celebrate leaving your full-time job to go into the unknown, right? A little bit deeper into that unknown investing world that she's not sure what the outcome is going to be, but she controls her own timeline, her own destiny, her her own income, everything. It's all about her and her husband uh, working together to figure out what that looks like. I had the honor to spend some more time with Tanya here in Nashville. She came out um, during our last mastermind meeting and it was really cool to, uh, to hear from her and see her growth along the way. So I can't wait to uh, see her, um, whatever her capacity is speaking at Flip Hacking Live this year, she's going to be one of the folks that I reach out to and ask if she wants to do some sort of presentation. She was on stage for a short time last year, and I want to do that again with her. So, all right. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you get your tickets to Flip Hacking Live. This is uh, this event you cannot absolutely cannot miss. It is going to be amazing three days of uh, content, mindset changes, different uh, keynote speakers, all kinds of stuff that we're going to be doing. Marketing, sales, raising money, building a team, uh, looking at the opportunity. So what is going on right now? This uncertainty that's happening, there's an, uh, there's an opportunity in all of this uncertainty, and we're going to show you how to find it at Flip Hacking Live this year. Make sure you get your tickets. Go to fliphackinglive.com, and I'll see you there. Hey, it's Bill again, and I want to personally invite you to our biggest event of the year, Flip Hacking Live. If you could copy the exact deal sources, marketing strategies, negotiation tactics, and business systems of the most successful house flippers and wholesalers in the nation, how would that change your business? Flip Hacking Live is a three-day event that we do just once per year, and it's happening October 15th through the 17th. We bring in the nation's top wholesalers and house flippers to walk you through everything they're doing how they're marketing directly to sellers, how they're picking up discounted off-market properties, how they're doubling their close ratio with the right negotiation tactics, how they're raising millions of dollars in private money, the things they're doing that other investors aren't doing, all of it. These are the guys and gals who are actively doing deals at a high volume in today's market all across the country. You get their full attention for three days. They have agreed to hold nothing back and you'll be right there with them so you can ask questions and get clarification on anything that you need. This is your chance to hack the nation's top flippers and wholesalers and ethically steal their exact strategies and systems. All you have to do is take notes, ask questions, and apply what you learn. But first, you need to get a ticket. We've sold out every year and ticket prices go up every few months. So go to fliphackinglive.com right now and get your tickets today. Fliphackinglive.com, October 15th through the 17th. This is an event that you cannot afford to miss.